Lord, it's so good to just be together. God, it's so good just to be with our church family this morning. Lord, this morning as we continue our trek through wisdom, Lord, I pray that you'd point out the specific areas where we need to be applying your wisdom, where maybe we aren't listening to your voice of wisdom. Lord, where we might be ignoring your voice of wisdom. God, there are many needs represented in our church, Lord. There are relationships that are strained. God, there are things that we are walking through that are traumatic, Lord Jesus. But we come together every week, not because we just do it because we're Christians, Lord. We do this because we want to lift your name high. And your name is still worthy to be praised in the midst of whatever we are facing. Lord Jesus, your word says that you, have, you came to, so that we might have life in its fullest. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us, you would teach us, you would guide us to experience life in its fullest. Lord, through, through putting your wisdom into action in our lives, Lord, to listening to your word, to being a part of a community of this imperfect weirdos that we are, Lord, that we would be refined day in and day out, to look more and more like Jesus. God, we love you so much, and it's our prayer this morning that you would meet us here. Your word says that when we draw near to you, it is promised that you draw near to us. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that we would show up, Lord, and that you would show up right next to us. God, that you would speak into the caverns of our hearts. Lord, you would fill them with newness, with your Holy Spirit, with your power, with your encouragement, God, in ways that we can become more and more like Jesus. And it's in that precious and holy name, the name above all names of Jesus Christ, we pray all of those things. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. Gosh, I'm gone one week and the guys have taken over this church. What's going on? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Um, I joked with them this morning that they were, st they, they were really close to starting a boy band. Um, and I said Dale could be in charge of choreography. And then his wife informed me, do not do that. She was like, he can sing, but don't let him dance. Um, so I thought that was, you know, whatever, that, that works, that works. And Dale's like, please don't <laughs> as well. But it's great to be with you guys. I was in Arizona last month, or last week, month. Wow, it feels like it. But I, I was the keynote speaker at the Arizona Women's Conference there for Wesleyan women. And I love doing it, but there's something about worshiping with my family that's just different. And so know that you just bless me. Um, and I talked about you nonstop, uh, kind of to the point where it was like, right, she's a little obsessed with them. Um, <laughs> but it was a great time to be a part of it. We had three baptisms in the hotel pool, uh, which was awesome. And then we had like some 40 or 50 ladies come forward for prayer, for healing in their lives. And it was just powerful to be a part of. So, and then I had the added bonus of coming home and hearing the podcast from yours truly, uh, Pastor Kurt, which was phenomenal. And I was really challenged by his sermon. During part of it, he said that we needed to reflect on past mistakes and things that we've done. And so I took some time to do that this week. And as I reflected on, you know, bad haircuts and 
<laughs> bad boyfriends and uh, bad failed sermon jokes were up there. Uh, like all of the things that I have kind of messed up in my life. I realized that I almost made a huge mistake this morning. I almost did, but don't worry, I caught it uh, because of this reflection time. I almost, I almost missed possibly the only opportunity that I'm going to have to show a clip from this movie that I'm going to show you uh, that fits this sermon series so well. So laugh with me, watch this video with me. <laughs> See, uh, are you guys going to Davenport? My car died and I'm late for a luncheon. We usually don't pick up hitchhikers. But I'm gonna go with my instinct on this one. <laughs> Saddle up, partner. <laughs> You're it. You're it. You're it. Quitsies! Any quitsies? You're it, quitsies. No, any quitsies, no startsies. You can't do that. Can do. Cannot. Stamp it. Can't do. Double stamp it. No erases. Cannot. Triple stamp it. No erases. Touch blue, make it true. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lord, you can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lord, Lord, you guys! Enough! Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> guys! 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 <laughs> Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio or something? <laughs> want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Do your best, best impression, come on. Uh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but uh, it was just funny. And I was like, I watched it and I was laughing in my office by myself. It was great. Some of you guys are like, love it. Some of you guys, you're like, that's not humor. That's just dumb. Uh, and that's fair. Dwayne's like, yes, preach it. Uh, but this morning, I want to start with a quote. And I want to ask you if you have ever heard this phrase. It says, we make our choices and then our choices make us. Who's ever heard that? We make our choices and our choices make us. If you have ever gotten the opportunity of raising a teenager, or you know, just being a teenager, you know this to be true. We, we make our choices and then our choices make us. If you're a teenager, you're probably trying to teach, or you're parenting a teenager, you're probably trying to teach them this truth, that you make the choice to forget about your curfew, and then your choice makes you grounded for the rest of the month, right? Uh, when I was growing up, I was really, I had a hard time with keeping my room clean. And if I'm going to be honest with you guys, I still do. Uh, but, but I remember I would go to school, I would go to an activity, I'd come home and my mom would have taken all the stuff that I crammed under my bed and put it on top of my bed, right? And, and she had a different way of phrasing this. Instead of saying, we make our choices and then our choices make us, she would say, well, you're the one that put it under there. You know, what, what were you thinking? You're going to have to deal with it. And I would say that this is absolutely true for us. Our lives are composed of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of decisions. You know, it's in everything from the people we talk to to the people we don't talk to. It's within how we carry ourselves. It's in the attitudes that we have. And the Bible, when it talks about people that have navigated those decisions well, it doesn't say that they're lucky. It doesn't say that they're successful. It doesn't even say that they're wealthy, no. It says that they're wise. 
And, you know, when we make big decisions, like big life-changing decisions, when we move somewhere or maybe we decide we're going to have a kid or, you know, we take a different job, when we have big life decisions, we all know we need wisdom in it, don't we? You know, we ask our neighbors, we ask our friends, we ask our, maybe our pastor for advice in that. And we know that we need wisdom in those big decisions. But it's in within those thousands of tiny decisions that compose our lives where I think we're missing the wisdom, where we make gut reaction decisions. And I would say that it's within those tiny decisions that it, it forms our life. Let me show you. I would say that within our life, we kind of imagine our life with Jesus kind of like a graph where this scale is closeness with God. And, and on this side, this is time. And we say, you know, the longer I'm alive, the longer that I, you know, I'm a part of church, naturally, I just get closer and closer to God. You know, maybe there's some dips along the way, but I just keep getting closer and closer to him. And I wish that were true, because that'd be really easy. <laughs> you know, if I could just tell you, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Eventually, you're going to get closer and closer. But the reality is, is that it's not time. Down here, we could easily put decisions. And our life looks a lot more like a heartbeat. Or maybe we decide that we are going to follow Jesus with our life. And then we kind of coast, maybe even walk away. And then we jump back up and we say, let's go, let's keep going. Maybe we respond to a call eventually. And maybe we lose that call. And we lose that call. And then maybe we get back into the game. And we start going again. And we start pursuing Christ with who we are. And we make decisions as such. And our life, really, our decisions, they chart our course. They chart how close we are with God. They chart how close we are to being more and more like him. And our life isn't just naturally going to bend that way. It's not just naturally going to look more and more like Jesus. No, it's within all of the tiny decisions that we make. It's within each of those times when you decide, this is what I'm going to do. And wisdom is nestled within all of those thousands upon thousands of decisions. Because wisdom is the ability to make those decisions well. It is knowing, it has nothing to do with IQ. It is by knowing how to make the right decisions at the right time for the right reasons. And, and now we, we know this, and we say, you know, if I can just have like an overarching dose of wisdom, that would be helpful. But I would say that it comes in each individual moment of surrender. This morning, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 8 and 9. And who's in the Proverbs reading challenge right now? Raise your hand. Keep it up, you guys. That's, that's killing it. If you are not a part of it, uh, you can join. What are we on? Week, day 22? Day 22? You can just join in on Proverbs 22, and you'll be golden. Um, and we'd love to have you a part of that. But we are going to be reading Proverbs 8 and 9. And, and this is a section of Scripture where... King Solomon, he personifies wisdom as a woman, which I could get into that. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, I think that's, you know, realistic, you know. Uh, but, but he personifies wisdom as a woman, and he calls her Lady Wisdom. So this morning I have two chairs. 
I'm going to need one volunteer to be Lady Wisdom. And so, Hunter, this has to be a girl. Um, <laughs> and I need somebody with, like, a lot of attitude and loudness. Look at her. Look at her coming on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, no, come up here, come up here. So, so this is Lady Wisdom this morning. Everybody say, hello, Lady Wisdom. <laughs> She's like, pageant girl. Okay, so this is what I need you to do. I'm not going to give you a mic or nothing because you don't need it. Okay. Um, so I need you, you're going to read this, this portion of scripture. It's going to be up on the screen behind you, I think. Can you see that far? Yes, I can. If not, I have it written down. No, I can't. Okay, so without, <laughs> this is in the message version, so it's a little, you know, casual, okay? But, but I want you to read that loud enough for everybody to hear it and with enough attitude to portray that Lady Wisdom is a little frustrated. Fair enough? Okay. <laughs> now, are you chicken out now? Yeah, What's going on? Okay. Do you want to read it from here? Um, I can read it. Okay, all right. So listen to Lady Wisdom. Do you, oh, wait, wait, okay. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> okay, so take it easy. <laughs> Give it up for Lady Wisdom. Now you're not done. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna have you sit right up here, because Lady Wisdom is from high places. Okay. Um, I love this part of the scripture. It says, "Do you hear Lady Wisdom calling?" Meaning that Lady Wisdom, she's not selective. Uh, she calls out to everybody, and like there was nobody that was like, "Man, I can barely hear Neek." Right. Uh, you didn't think, man, Lady Wisdom is whispering out to me. And then it goes on to Proverbs, and when it got to blockheads, I just thought I could hear her saying, no wonder she didn't want to read this, you know? <laughs> no wonder. But Proverbs 9, it talks about Lady Wisdom. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet. She has mixed the wines and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. And she calls from the highest or the heights overlooking the city, come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come eat my food and drink my wine. Now this is important because Lady Wisdom, it says that she builds a home. Anik builds a home for you. And it says that there are seven pillars that she carved by hand. And those seven pillars in, in the, throughout scripture, seven is the number of perfection. And so this is written to say, she has built the perfect home for you. It says that she prepared a great banquet. 
one with meat and vegetables and wine. And this is a fancy dinner. And she invites you to come in. And then it ends in this section. It says, verse 6, Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Now, Nick, have you ever had something like before that you thought, I have not lived until this moment? Maybe it was food, maybe it was clothing, but you had something that was like, I have not started to live till now. Have you had that? I, I, I've had that. Um, I went and got a steak in Oklahoma a couple of years ago. It like melted in my mouth, okay? And I have compared every single steak since to that steak. You know, I have not lived till now. And wisdom, she says the same thing. She says, come in and listen to this wisdom. Because once you adopt my wisdom, you will wonder, how did I live till now? This wisdom is so good that how in the world could I have ever ignored it? And then it, it culminates in, in verse 10. It says, Here, or fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. So, so in this, the fear of the Lord is what wisdom sits on. Uh, this is what Lady Wisdom is grounded on. And it says, Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. And I want to leave that verse up there. Let's notice this. It says, If you become wise, what will happen? This isn't rhetorical. You will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, what happens? You will be the one to suffer. And it's this key word here, if. Because Lady Wisdom, she is calling out to you, but you have to decide to listen. Um, and, you know, I think that when I originally read this, I thought, why would anybody ignore Lady Wisdom? Especially if it's Neek. Yeah, I know better, okay? Uh, but but I, I, why would I ignore Lady Wisdom? Especially if it says that it's going to add days onto my life and I'm going to reap the benefits. And I would say the reason that we sometimes ignore Lady Wisdom is because wisdom is not the only one calling. Wisdom is, is not the only one calling. And so I'm going to bring up a second volunteer. And I personally, it's a lady still. Okay? <laughs> I know. And I kind of prepared this person because... She's got to be Lady Folly. So I needed somebody really smart, you know, maybe somebody that's in their master's program, um, who maybe is, has been, like, missing being up on stage in a couple weeks. I don't know. But, but welcome, Lady Folly. Welcome, Lady Folly. All right, so you know this feel. There's going to be a verse up there. It's going to kind of shift around a little bit. Can you read it? Do you need this one? Do you need this one? And you just read it in the same, same way that... Go ahead. <laughs> <clears throat> the woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. Give it up for Lady Folly. You can have a seat right over here. No, no. <laughs> you get in that corner, Lady Folly. Uh, no, but, but Lady Wisdom is not the only voice calling out. 
In fact, there's another one that's called Lady Folly. And folly is just a fancy word for foolishness. And she calls out, and if you notice the similarities here, both of these are women that are preparing a meal for people. Both of them sit in high places. Uh, both of them are appealing and calling out to the simple and saying, come in with me. Both are very similar, but they're not the same. Both are very similar, but they're not the same. Folly is offering bread and water. And not just any bread and water, Folly is offering stolen bread and water. <laughs> uh, payback for every time, you know, <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, folly is offering stolen bread and water. And this is a picture of what it looks like to dismiss God's wisdom. To say, I'll go into her house and I'll eat this stolen bread and water over the great banquet that wisdom is offering. Notice wisdom is offering a great banquet. One that is filled with meat and wine and cheese and those things that are like, now I'm getting hungry for lunch sort of things. And she invites you in and wisdom says no. And it appeals to your immediate needs. Your immediate, cheap, sensory needs. Uh, she'll say, come in. This feels right, doesn't it? This feels good. And this is ugly because this is how the enemy operates. He says, it's okay. It's right for you. And so you join the train of thought towards Lady Wisdom, or towards Lady Folly. And look at what happens next. Verse 18. But little do they know that the dead are there. Here guests are in the depths of the grave. You walk in to meet your immediate needs, and you find death and destruction. Now I'm going to let these ladies sit down, so give them a round of applause for their wonderful participation. <laughs> and so Lady Folly, she tricks you. She entices your senses, and you follow down that path. And the unfortunate truth about this is that we're fighting an uphill battle, okay? Uh, at the beginning of time, we were born into sin. And so our very nature, we drift towards folly. Uh, how easy it is. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to do something stupid? You know, have you ever noticed how easy it is to be getting your life on track, getting in the right way, and then all of a sudden you just sort of drift in the wrong direction? Our very nature, our, our very senses drift towards Lady Folly. And, and it says in King Solomon, he tells us how to handle this. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, because it determines the course of your life and your closeness with Jesus and how your life is going to be lived. And it says, it doesn't say, let God guard your heart. It doesn't say, let Jesus guard your heart. It says, no, you, this is your responsibility. You have to guard your heart. And this is difficult. It takes time and effort and wisdom and community to do so. But it's absolutely possible for us to guard our hearts. And so I think that in order to guard our hearts, that's what I really want to unpack this morning, to give you some tangible things to put into, in place in your life. Because I think we have to do the defense and also the offense of our hearts. We have to guard them above all else so that the course of our life is constantly headed towards Jesus. 
So the first one is this, come clean. Will you say that with me? Come clean. Uh, you have to start by getting your heart purified. You have to start by coming clean at the feet of Jesus. Now, have you ever noticed that we kind of trick ourselves into making hard work not seem like hard work? Uh, I grew up and I was obsessed with Barney. Uh, I'll let that sink in. Okay. Uh, I was obsessed, like unnatural or unhealthy obsession with Barney. I have a picture that's like the most terrifying picture ever of me as a child sitting on a life-size Barney's lap. Okay. Loved Barney. And at the end of every episode, it was clean up, clean up, everybody, everybody. You guys weren't into it. Okay, that's fine. Clean up. <laughs> Absolutely, and everybody would clean up, and it was fun, but at the end of the day, like, there was no trick in me. We were still cleaning, okay? And we do the same thing now. We, we blare music. You know, at my house, my roommates, when we have to do a deep clean of the house, we, we blare, like, old music that was out in our, like, high school years, and we're, like, jamming, you know, dusting, acting like this is fun. But at the end of the day, it's still cleaning, isn't it? Uh, and we still try to trick ourselves and say, this isn't cleaning, this is fun. But I'll tell you right now, coming clean with the Lord, it's still going to be hard work. We can have a lot of fun along the way. We can encourage you. We can worship together. We can pray for you. But it's still going to be hard work. James talks about this. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And that's that promise that the Lord gives us, that when we draw near to him, he shows up. And he says, draw near to him. And the most important moments when we need to draw near to him is when our loyalty is divided. And for the sake of our argument, it is when we're listening to Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly at the same time. And if you've ever been driving with like two backseat drivers, telling you different directions, eventually you're just going to stop, right? Go left, go right, go left, go right, go left, go right. I'm going to stop because I can't do this. And, and if these two ladies, if they came back up here and they said, Lindsay, turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left, I'd probably just say, enough with you. And so often this is what happens in our relationship with Jesus. We're listening to do two different voices. When you feel stalled in your relationship with Jesus, when you feel stalled in your recovery, when you feel stalled out and stagnant in your life, it's very interesting to look at which voice you're listening to. Which voice are you listening to now? Is it Lady Wisdom or is it, it lady, lady Folly? Listen to Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And I love this scripture because it says, you will find me. There's not an if. There's not a stipulation. It says, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And it says whole heart, not just like the holy part, you know, not just the Sunday part of your heart, not just the good part. It says your whole heart all of your motivations, all of your courage, all of your emotions, if you seek me with that, you will find me. And I think we get into a mentality where we mess up and we need to distance ourselves from God a little. You know, we need to say, I don't really want him to know this about me. 
I don't really want to have to walk through this. And I'll give you a little insider knowledge. He already knows. He saw you do it. He saw the mistake happen. And, and his reaction is, come to me with your whole heart. Come clean. And I'm going to purify you. I'm going to renew your mind. I'm going to put you on this track of holiness. But it starts when we humble ourselves and say, I don't have it all together. Uh, Steve Deneff, this is one of my favorite quotes. He says, the next best thing to innocence is confession. The next best thing to innocence is confession. It's saying, I don't have it all together. It's saying, I, I, I need help. The next best thing to just being, having a clear record is saying, Lord, I've been caught. I'm not listening to you, and I need to. Uh, G, uh, John Wesley, he talked about this. He talked about spiritual breathing. And he said, it should be as natural as breathing our rhythm is with God, where we exhale all of the ways that we go astray from him. We exhale the things that we've said. We exhale all of the reasons that, that we don't think we're good enough. And we inhale the greatest gift we could, which is grace. Maybe we should just do that. Just give a big exhale. And inhale his grace. And I love that because this scripture, it says, wash your hands. It should be as natural to us as washing our hands on a daily basis. Hopefully you guys are doing that. Uh, as breathing and washing our hands and saying, Lord, I commit my life to you. The second one is a little trickier. And that is, take every thought captive every thought captive. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, it says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's some powerful stuff. Uh, do I have any pet people? People that have pets, want pets, love pets, okay. I'm a pet person, okay. And I don't care with all the haters out there. I'm a cat person, okay. I'll just admit it. Um, I have a cat. Some of you guys have already met her. Here's a picture of her. <laughs> I literally can see pictures of this cat, and it brings tears to my eyes. Um, I'm sorry, but that's just a reality. But this is my cat, and she is, uh, I love her. She's insane. Today, she woke me up at 6 in the morning and then just ran outside of the room and clawed onto the couch like a mad person. Uh, but I love her. I, I'd probably, you know, I, I'd take a bullet for her maybe some days. Hopefully not, but hopefully. Uh, but, but she's an amazing cat, and I love her. And how many of you guys have ever had to take your pet to get shots? Yeah. That's like every pet owner's nightmare, isn't it? And because there's no good part of it, okay? And so... My cat, she does not like to be held captive very well. Uh, I get the pet carrier out, and she's already upset, you know? She's already offended, okay? And she starts meowing, and then I finally put her in there, and she's, like, hanging on for dear life on the edges, like, don't make me go! And I'm like, and it's kind of like putting the toothpaste back in the tube once you put it out, you know? It's really hard, and she's a lot of, a lot of fluff, okay? And so I push her into this, like, cat carrier, and then, you know, she's upset. 
you know, I'm like, come on, man. I'm just trying to make sure you don't get kitty leukemia. Like, give me a break. And we get into the car, and like, I can't even imagine that she can get more upset, but she does somehow. And she's just, rawr, rawr, rawr. and finally, what happened last time is that she just kind of gave up, and I have a picture of what happened. I put my hand through the gate, and she just lays her head on my hand. Like, Mom, let me go home, you know? And, and we pull into the parking lot of the vet, and I'm not kidding you, she just pooped in protest. <laughs> like, enough is enough, okay? <laughs> but, but she does not like to be held captive, okay? She doesn't. She's like, let me be free, let me do the crazy things that you love that I do, okay? But in the same way, your thoughts that set itself up against God, like in this analogy, my cat is sin, okay? <laughs> Those thoughts that, that set themselves up against the knowledge of God, they don't want to be held captive. You know, the things that Lady Folly says, they appeal to your senses. They make sense to you. They don't want to be put in a cage that made, and made obedient to Christ. And when we don't make them obedient, we just start drifting towards this worldview of foolishness that the world has to offer. Listen, you are not called to be a doormat. You are called to be a child of the king. And when there are lies in your life that set themselves up against that, when the people tell you or yourself tells you that you are not worth it, you know, you remind them, you put that lie up, you don't get comfortable in that lie. That's not a time for you to let yourself drift. No, that is a time to go to war and to say, no, I am worth dying for. I am a child of the most high God. You know, when your life, when, you, when it wants to drift you into worry, that's not a time to just let yourself go. No, this is a time to say, I'm going to take that thought and make it obedient to Jesus. And I know that my God is worth trusting. See, this gets too natural for us. And we have to take every thought captive, anything that sets itself up against knowing who Jesus is. And you have to remind yourself, I have to play the offense. I can't just be taken down the defense. But I have to get truth in my life so that I can take these thoughts down. So I'm going to invite the worship team up, and I want to give a time of just honest reflection. If my life and your life are anything similar, uh, sometimes I lose track of my week, and I forget to even consider, Lord, how am I doing? And maybe you find yourself in one of these categories. Maybe you need to come clean this morning and say, Lord, I don't have it all together. Maybe you need to tell your accountability partner or your friend or me and say, I, I need help in this. Maybe you need to start taking thoughts captive. And there's some lies from the enemy that just aren't worth listening to anymore. So I want to invite you into a posture of prayer, um, whether that is sitting where you're at. Um, if you want to come up to the altar, you're welcome to. If you'd like to kneel where you're at in your chairs, um, that's good too. But I just want to offer this time as we close in this song for you to feel released from maybe even singing along just so you and Jesus can meet face to face and you can ask him, how am I doing? Where am I in all this? And what do I need to move forward in doing? Let me pray with you, Lord. We know that we need your wisdom. We know that sometimes it is way too easy to be impatient, Lord, to, to go towards our physical needs, Lord, to choose this world 
and its wisdom over your wisdom, which your word says will benefit us. God, for a lot of us, we get really strung up into the day-to-day, quick-paced life that we live. But Lord, we want to take some time just to pause, to say, Lord, what am I missing? And how do I make my decisions holy? How do I make my decisions like you make your decisions based on truth? Lord Jesus, for the lies that we're, we're hearing and we're believing about ourselves, about our worth, God, about, about the things that we carry. In the name of Jesus, I ask that those would be rendered inoperable. God, that anything that sets itself up against the truth of who you are, Lord, that we would be empowered to take those thoughts captive, to place them at your feet, and to see your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.